Hey, Upper Room listeners, this is Autumn Williams. I help oversee events at Upper Room, and we have Maranatha End of Year Conference, December 29th through 31st. We're going to be at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill with some of our dear friends and our close family from Dallas and Denver and Frisco, and we want to invite you, our online listening community, to join us with a corporate Maranatha cry. We have a special discount code for you. It is 20% off your registration when you use the promo code Family Reunion. One word, Family Reunion. Go to upperroom.co to register and find more information. What's up, everybody? Aaron Smith here. I'm excited to be introing this podcast for you today. This weekend, Miller continued talking about the end times. We've been looking at Jesus's words when he talks about the end times out of his own mouth from Matthew 24 and Maranatha. Maranatha means Jesus has come. Jesus is coming. So Jesus come. So I pray that as you listen to this, you're encouraged, your faith is built, and you continue to pray or maybe for the first time, pray with us, Maranatha. Jesus come. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24, and I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we love you, and uh, we welcome you this morning over the next 30 minutes that you would uh, reveal to us your son through your scriptures. Uh, Father, thank you for the hour that we're living in. Thank you that We, we get to participate in your plans and purposes. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and do what only you can? Lord, prepare us for the coming days. Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to live with an awareness of who you are in light of what we're surrounded by. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you, Holy Spirit, are speaking to us. Uh, Lord, I believe that um, you have significant plans for us around the Maranatha theme. And so awaken, quicken our hearts uh, to that reality, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, Maranatha, everyone say Maranatha. It's a word that we've been uh, sharing quite a bit. Uh, It means one of three things, depending on how the letters are arranged in the Aramaic. Uh, It could mean, come Lord Jesus. It could mean, Jesus came, it could mean Jesus is coming. So threefold dimension. He came, he's coming. So come Maranatha. It's the cry of our hearts. And my prayer and hope is that this word becomes alive inside of you, that it begins to disrupt your days, that you begin to think as you see things play out culturally. Maranatha, Lord, come. We want you to come. We need you to come. So would you come? And uh, two weeks, three weeks ago, uh, I laid this out for the first time. Corey then uh, preached about the the three uh, different moves of the end times. I love Corey and Corey's revelation of this, especially uh, being at the house of prayer for 18, 19 plus years. Don't we love Corey Russell? Just so grateful uh, for Corey's revelation. And he is just a hammer, man. Like the word of God coming forth from Corey Russell. It is like a, it is like a hammer uh, to, to, to us. And I just am so grateful for his life um, and what he's given himself to. There's two other people that I want to make mention of as we look at the Maranatha theme and uh, look at the end times. One is Kyle Martin in Time to Revive. Uh, Kyle did a series. David was a part of that. Ray is over here. Ray's been uh, 
acknowledged before, but Kyle Martin uh, has a series called To Number Our Days. Uh, it's on YouTube. I really encourage you uh, to watch those um, if this theme of the end time uh, is provoking you. Another resource for you, one uh, that I have loved is a, a, a group called Frontier Alliance International, FAI, and Dalton Thomas, Joel Richardson. There's some guys that are really caring, I believe, an end time message for the church. Uh, Dalton is based uh, in the Golan Heights there in Israel. And so these are just people that I want to present to you. They're people that have provoked me in this message. Um, we are, we are going to scratch the surface on Sunday mornings. And so uh, my hope is to whet your appetite so that you will pursue in deeper ways uh, a personal understanding of the times that we're living in. Uh, next year, beginning of the year, we're going to roll out, I think on Saturday, some more in-depth end-time studies. We're looking like 101, 201 on the weekends. That will go into the 301, 401. And uh, we'll get into more of the nuances of uh, some of the, the prophetic literature. But I just want us to go a little deeper as a community into this topic. I want to equip you uh, for the hour that we're living in and what is ahead. Amen? So uh, Matthew 24 is such a, a crucial text. Um, it is Jesus's commentary uh, on the end times. We can look at Old Testament prophecy. We can look at over 150 scriptures that prophesy to the end time generation. But Matthew 24, I think, is probably the peak of the mountain range. If you have this range of revelation, I think Matthew 24 is one of the peaks of those, those, those mountain re revelations around the end times because it's Jesus's commentary on it. And Jesus actually begins this commentary three chapters earlier in Matthew 22. Uh, it's his final teachings. It's kind of his last words to that generation. And in Matthew uh, 22, he starts out with a parable. This is his last public teaching to a general audience. And this is how it begins. Matthew uh, 22, verse 2. It says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. That's you and I. It's the father preparing a wedding for his son that's just around the corner. And the end time teaching ensues from here. Uh, he then boldly rebukes the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And then at the end of Matthew 23, verse 37, is the preface to Matthew 24, which is the chapter that we're going to be in. And in Matthew 23, verse 37, uh, Jesus says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate, for I say to you from now on, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, this is the preface for the disciples asking the question that we find in Matthew 24. But Jesus says, there are certain things here that must happen before I return. One is that the temple or the house will be left desolate. From the house being less 
left desolate. It says that the people that are near the house will cry out Maranatha. They will cry out, Jesus, come. Now, um, I don't believe that this specific prophecy has been fulfilled yet. And there is a framework of viewing scriptures like this that say these scriptures have been fulfilled. It's called preterism or to be a preterist. It means that the Old Testament scriptures about Jerusalem, about the end times have been fulfilled. And the reason why I don't think these things have been fulfilled is because they have not seen Jesus again. The temple has been destroyed in 70 AD, but that did not lead to the return of Jesus. Am I right? So when Israel became a nation again in 1947, and then the Six-Day War in 1968, it, it began to unfold for us prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled in Jerusalem specifically. In the coming week, I think maybe next weekend, in the coming days, we're going to look at uh, the significance of Jerusalem around this theme because end-time prophecy focuses on that region, but it specifically focuses on the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus is speaking of that here. He is saying, you will not see me until four things happen. One, Jerusalem's going to be invaded. Two, the house is going to be left desolate. Three, those people around that area are going to cry, Maranatha. Four, Jesus is going to answer their cry and he's going to come and he's going to rescue them. Those four things, those four things will take place in the coming days. Now, I know that's kind of like, I know we're in Dallas, Texas, and you're like, what does that have to do with me today? I'll tell you what it has to do with you today if you keep reading. Matthew 24. Can we get in the word? Let me see your Bibles. Let me see your Bibles. Let me see your Bibles. All right. Hey, you, you need to get in the word. And I'm going to show you specifically how this theme of Israel affects you today. I'm going to take my jacket off. I did it. And I'm going to unbutton this. All right. Listen, Matthew 24. Come on, buckle up. Like, I, I want to just confront some unbelief that this has nothing to do with you. I want to confront some unbelief that, that, that you're not an end times person. Like, I think, I think a lot of pastors aren't teaching this because there's just not hunger for this type of revelation in the church. Like, I think like maybe 10% of pastors are willing to talk openly about this. I travel and I've had guys say, Hey man, we love your messaging. We love what you're doing, but we know you're getting into the end times. Would you just not go there with us right now? And I get it. I get it. Like as a pastor, you want to lead people into those things. But I think there's actually a fear around some of these topics just because it can get kooky, swirly, and weird, right? Like we end up in a basement bottling food up food and and like, this is the beginning of a cult. And, and this is not that. I, I'm not going to take us like way deep, but I do want you to at least be informed about what scripture says about the days ahead. Like it's so, so, so crucial because I'm watching, especially you young millennials, I'm watching I'm watching so many of our young believers, young professing believers get mixture in their hearts. And I believe the most common warning in those days is don't be misled. Don't be misled. Like don't be deceived. 
And I, I just like, it, it's, it's happening on the smallest scale right now. But I want to use what's happening now to provoke you to be alert, to be prayerful, and to guard your hearts against the leaven that, that culture is attempting to sow into the bride. Because Jesus prophesies it. Matthew 24. <clears throat> Jesus came out from the temple after he had said this about the temple. And he was going away and his disciples came to point out the temple buildings to him. Now, Mark's account in Mark 14 tells us who these disciples were. There were four of them. It was Andrew, James, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It was four of them. They came to him at the Mount of Olives and they said, <clears throat> he said to them, do you see all of these things? Uh, Truly I say to you, not one stone will be here uh, and left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, those disciples, the four that I mentioned, came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? So when, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the uh, end of age. And so Jesus begins his commentary. Now there's three moves in Matthew 24. And I want to kind of show you the outline of Matthew 24. So you don't get lost in uh, the details of what we're going to say. But in Matthew 24, do you have that, that outline for me, bud? <clears throat> not that one. No, not that one. Yeah. We're not, <laughs> we're not there yet. Come on. Hold on. <laughs> I've, we're going deep. So, um, here are the three moves. Uh, the beginning of the birth pains. The beginning of the birth pains. And then individualized persecution or societal pressures. Another way to say this is uh, persecution, pressure, and then I think also outpouring of the Spirit. So those three are listed there. And then the last one is the great uh, tribulation. So I'm going to walk you through these three moves um, that, that Jesus shares and is about to uh, dive into. The first is the beginning birth pains. <clears throat> and verse four, Jesus says this. He says, see to it, see to it that no one misleads you. He immediately starts talking about deception. <clears throat> For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. So many will come. There's our word, Maranatha, Lord, come. There's a groan inside the bride for the Lord's return because we long for his leadership. Now, in this hour, there will be a leadership crisis and people will be looking for certain types of leaders that present themselves as messiahs. They present themselves as anointed ones to a people looking for someone that's anointed. And, and Jesus starts here and he warns them not to be misled because of what's going to happen culturally. And he's going to go into uh, verse, verse six. He says, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. 
See to it that you are not frightened by these things, for they must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. That's ethnos versus ethnoth, kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. So there is going to be shakings. Haggai 2 says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth and the seas. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. But as those things are shaking, what people are going to look for is someone to lead them. You just see it in the smallest ways right now, culturally. But this kingdom against kingdom, war against war, it is going to be a divided world. It's going to be divided because of the problems that we're facing and people are going to be looking for solutions. Tell me that coronavirus has not exposed that. What has it exposed? It's exposed whose voice are you going to listen to? And there are cultural narratives that are attempting to say, this is what should lead you. This message, this narrative, this conspiracy theory, this politician. And what the Bible is saying, it's saying, be careful that you're not misled. Be careful that you're not deceived. And what I want to put inside of you, upper room, is a biblical narrative so that you won't get sucked into the cultural one. Deception. And in Matthew 24, from the generalized pain, so it talks about, <clears throat> it talks about wars, rumors of wars. It talks about nation rising up against nation. It talks about famines. In Luke 21, verse 11, it's Luke's commentary on this. It mentions plagues, famines, terrors, and great signs similar to the coronavirus. The coronavirus is in 180 of 185 countries. It, is, it has been a, a global pandemic. And you see how it's shut the world down, how it's divided the world. This is just a precursor to what I believe is around the corner. And the Lord says that these are just the beginnings of the birth pains. What are birth pains? Birth pains are unto something. It's unto his return. It's a reality. Jesus is coming back. And these signs point to that. It progresses from there. We mentioned the generalized beginning birth pains, and then it gets into persecution and cultural pressures. Uh, Look in verse nine. It says, then So these are just the beginnings. And then then you move into uh, a second set, I believe, of signs. And those signs, this mentions tribulation. This isn't the great tribulation. This is the tribulation. Deliver you to tribulation. And this is where persecution comes. Um, They will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away. Here it is again. Many will be betrayed. Who's falling away? The elect. Who's falling away? Those that are saved. Believers. People sitting in pews like this. Why are they falling away? Because they're deceived. How are they deceived? Through the pressures surrounding them. Because they're not rooted in a biblical narrative. This is the warning. You'll betray one another. You'll hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. There we are again. What are false prophets? People speaking on behalf of the Lord, 
but they're not the Lord. They're speaking to tell people a direction that's opposite of where the Lord is leading and what he's saying. And it says in verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Um, so again, it talks about deception. It talks about being misled. And then in verse 12, it's, it, I think verse 12 is really interesting that it says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Now, I, I, I've always thought it, it should be the opposite. Most people's love will grow cold, so lawlessness abounds. But this says lawlessness increases, so the love of many will grow cold. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is this. Lawlessness is a deep hostility towards authority. Lawlessness is a deep hostility towards authority. It's a rejection of authority. It's a rejection of God. Like Romans 8 defines this. Romans 8, 6 and 7, look at this. It says, for the mind, Romans 8, 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the what? To the law of God. So this is the definition of lawlessness. It's a hostility towards the Lord. So what ensues? cold love. And this actually sets the stage up for a lawless one to emerge. Um, there is a, there's a character in the end times called the Antichrist. You've probably heard uh, his name before. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, it defines him. It says this, it says, let no one in any way deceive you. Again, deception is at play. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. It might be second Thessalonians. Sorry. It says, let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy, which is uh, the falling away comes first. And then the man of lawlessness, see him, the man of lawlessness. So this type of culture sets up for a man of lawlessness to uh, be revealed, which is the son of destruction. Uh, wh what do I think uh, is taking place? Um, w one of the things that I'm really convicted of is is injustice. We, we see what injustice is doing culturally right now. These issues of justice. We had the roundtables with reward. We talked about racial injustice. It was powerful, man. Um, I, we need to do those again next year. Just get around a table. And we talked openly about people's orientation to issues that affect us, real issues uh, like race, the racial thing. Like I'm, I'm white. I grew up in North, uh, North Dallas. My orientation to the conversation is different than rewards. It just is. And so I came to a table to listen to reward his experience. And I learned about reward, not only as an African-American, but as an African African-American, because you're from Africa and your experience is different than some people that were born in America, but are African-American. And so we got around the table and we just started talking about his orientation, my orientation. And man, I learned so much from him. 
like getting in his shoes and listening and he helped me. And we started to find the Lord in our various approaches to this topic in light of the injustices that we were seeing. But what happens is injustices make us angry. Injustice makes us angry. In Matthew 24, what I've just described is a lot of injustice happening on the earth. Injustices, ethnos against ethnos, nation against nations. There will be great division and people will be divided around injustices that we see. Tell me you don't see that in our culture right now. Open up your feed on any social media platform and it's people arguing about injustices. But James 1 verse 19, throw that up for me, brother. James 1 19... It says this, this, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. What does injustice cause? What does injustice cause? Anger. Anger. Is it wrong? No. Anger is natural. When you see an injustice, anger is a natural response. The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning you've got to deal rightly with that anger. You've got to rightly deal with things you see on the six o'clock news. You've got to rightly deal with things flying at you from your feed. Why? Because you cannot rightly respond to anger. This says be slow to anger. But look, look at the next verse. It says, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means you being angry about something does not make it right. What is the throne of God? Look. The righteousness of God. That's a part of God's throne. What's the other part? Justice Justice and righteousness are the foundations of his throne. So we see an injustice and we want to make it right. So what do we do with our anger? We submit it to who? The leadership of Jesus. This is how you don't get deceived. Okay, look at Luke 18. I'm going to fill in another gap here. Luke 18. It's an end time parable. It's about not losing heart. In the last days, because of lawlessness, what grows cold? Hearts. So look at this, Luke 18, verse one. Now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not what? Lose heart. And he goes into this parable. I'm not gonna read through the parable, but it's a parable about praying through injustice. It's a widow who wouldn't stop praying because of injustice she had experienced. So go down to, uh, I think it's verse eight. I'll go to seven. It's even better. Go to six. (laughs) And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. And then Jesus is going to interpret the parable. And look, he says, now, will not God bring about what? Will God not bring about what? Will God not bring about what? For who? His elect who cry to him day and night. Crying to him is prayer. And he will not delay long over them. Verse eight. Look at this. I tell you, this is, puts this parable in the end time context. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Faith on the earth in what? His justice. Faith on the earth for what? His throne and him reigning over injustices that are happening. Many will be deceived because they will submit to a false Christ, a false Messiah for the injustices that are happening. Mm 
feel like it's good. <laughs> There's just so many voices. There's so many commentaries. And it's only going to increase. But in the context of the persecution, the cultural pressures, I love verse 13. It says, the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And then in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end will come when what? The gospel's proclaimed. Uh, I believe one of the reasons the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached is because of the pressures and the persecution. I believe that the injustices that are happening and the divisions are actually an invitation for the gospel. I don't think this is like uh, a strategy to get a track to the last people group on the earth. I believe this is the gospel flourishing in a time of need, in a time of shaking, that God's going to raise up uh, evangelists. He's going to raise up a people that are ready to proclaim into the division, to proclaim into the injustices who the true Messiah is. There's going to be a real hunger for it. So you've got the beginning pains. You've got uh, the second phase, which um, is personal pressures, personal persecution, just cultural pressures. And then verse 15, it gets Jerusalem centric. And, uh, and he focuses on an Old Testament prophecy that, that Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 9. And Jesus uses Daniel to talk about the end times. Now, Daniel, we're not going to get into Daniel, but Daniel 7 through 12 are, are really important texts for, uh, for the end times. But, but Jesus uses this phrase, abomination of desolation. And it's used in Daniel, but he immediately points to this as, as like, a catalytic event. And I think the, the previous like 14 verses are a three and a half year period. And then the second portion of the tribulation, which is another three and a half period is, is triggered right here in, in verse 15. It says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And then it says, from that time, there'll be great persecution against the Jews, that they'll flee to the mountains. Uh, it talks about whoever's on a housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But what are those who are pregnant? Nursing babies in those days, specifically speaking about the people in Jerusalem near where the desolation, uh, abomination of desolation happens. Then in verse 21, it says, uh, for then there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. This abomination of desolation is uh, prophesied by Daniel. It's Daniel 9, 26 through 27. And it's also spoken in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, look at this again, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. It says, no one is to deceive you in any way. This theme of deception is threaded throughout 
the end time discourse. You just see it over and over and over again. Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Many will come in my name. We have to be a discerning people. Let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. What's the apostasy? It's, it's defecting from the truth. It's falling away from the truth. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's what we just discussed. And the son of destruction, keep going, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple, displaying himself as being God. This is the Bible. It says that there will one arise one who will stand in the temple and he will declare himself as God. This is the revealing of uh, the Antichrist. But the beauty in this moment is that Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 29 of Matthew 24, he says, but immediately... After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. This is the blessed hope of the church, that Jesus is going to return. Hmm. Would you stand to your feet? Just put your hand on your heart. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that you would incite a hunger in our hearts for the day that we live in. Lord, that you would root us in your narrative for our hour. Uh, Lord, that you would awaken us, um, take us deeper, Father, into... <clears throat> your narrative and Lord, the role that we play as the elect, Lord, would you author faith in our hearts? Uh, I pray, um, I pray this in the name of Jesus, Lord. We love you, honor you in Jesus name. Amen.